Big guy for you. I am Bugman. Hello, this is Nat, and welcome to another episode of Dope Movies and Shows, aka DMS. And with me, as always, you know him. It's oh yeah, Sir Hemingford Gray. How are you, bud? I'm okay, but some days you just can't get rid of a bum, can you? Some days you just can't get rid of a BM. <laughs> and also joining us is everyone's favorite guest. It's Walrus. Hi, bud. Hey, everybody. It's noon on a Saturday. I've been up since 8 p.m. yesterday. It's time for a beer and Batman. Well, it's a coffee for me, but it, I'm sure it'll have the same effect. The uppers and the lowers balance out. <laughs> and finally, also joining us, a um, also a, a DMS regular at this point, we've got Tony Baloney. Hiya, my dude. Dunna, 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 Batman. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot. Yeah, Today we're going to be talking about the Batman. The Bat... Oh, we are. How convenient. That's just how I introduce myself normally. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. Well, that's that's a very drawn-out introduction. But yeah, we're going to cover all of Batman's appearances on film from his early serials in the 1940s to... Uh, I, I believe we're going to be covering his most recent uh, Batfleck roles. So uh, let's get right down to it. Let's talk about the 1940s Batman, which I didn't even know existed. I did not even know these serials existed until uh, same here. Gray made me aware of them. Um, so, so if you've seen these before, Gray? No, this is my first time watching, but I, were, I was aware they existed. And what is what is kind of the, uh, the the premise behind this? Is this is this different from most of the other Batman stuff that we've that we've seen? That's probably more in the public consciousness. I think there's. I think in in some ways it's kind of more faithful to the comics because uh, Bruce Bruce Wayne is very much a larger character in this, and also Bruce Wayne do, does the uh, the disguises and the um and the going after the bad guys without his bat suit sometimes as well. Yeah, yeah, that was my impression of it. I watched one episode, but uh, I felt like I understood the premise behind Batman better after watching this like 15 20 minute uh kind of short film um and it is it is a serial so i guess these this is the kind of thing that that's shown before a movie right like you go to the theater you see a few different things no this was this, this was from back in the in in the 40s when people just used to um used to go to the pictures all the, the basically the, the pictures used to run all day all day and all I don't know. I don't think all night, but but all day, and they just used to go over and over. So instead of it, this was obviously before the days of the TV. So people instead of watching the TV would go along to the cinema to watch watch their TV program. Oh right, okay, yeah. And this is probably the length of uh, I don't know if you have a show like SpongeBob where one episode a block is like two episodes. This is it's probably the length of one of those you know half episodes and also if you, if you think about it people people would watch one episode one week so then they've watched the next episode the following week that's why if you've watched more than one of these things you'll notice it always ends with like batman dying 
but then you watch the start of the next episode and it will kind of rewind a bit and you'll see how Batman got out of it, even though it didn't look like that, that <laughs> in the previous episode. Right, you're right. Yeah, the cliffhanger that keeps you coming back to the theater. Absolutely. People were stupid back then. <laughs> yeah, also there was some problematic language in there, wasn't there, Nat? Well, that's the thing. Like, it was so it was so loud in my home while I was watching it, and the audio is so bad in like anything made before like 1977. I missed out on all the fun racism in the, uh, <laughs> in the serials. But we watched uh, the the episode that I watched, uh, and I think um, uh, uh, you and, and Walrus also watched was Slaves to the Rising Sun. Mm-hmm. Okay, which uh, uh, the villain was some kind of dude in like horrible makeup to make him look Japanese. Um, I was fooled for a moment. To be honest, I thought he was Chinese. With the, <laughs> he, he wasn't being too specific with that accent, was he? Well, it was, yeah, that's true, but it was in 1943, and the land of the rising sun refers to Japan, so I figured it was supposed to be Japan. Uh, he, or he was supposed yeah. to be Japanese, rather. I ended up watching several episodes, like the, a, 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 uh, a Japanese sub shows up off the coast and starts communicating with them by radio. It's uh, they're supposed to explicitly be working like a criminal syndicate, specifically working for the the emperor of Japan is the bit. That's hilarious. I think that's that. You know what? That's what we're really missing in movies nowadays is tribalism. We kind of still get that. Like, uh, what was that movie recently? There was a movie recently that had like a female heroine and these like egg shaped UFOs come down from the sky and she's got to like talk to them and figure out what they want. It's basically like a modern day contact. Um, but in that movie, the Chinese are the villains and she's got to like make peace with the Chinese and make them see like, you know, uh, basically prevent them from destroying the world, um, which is, yeah, kind of funny. But, um, you know. The, the the shifting sands of our allies and enemies and how they're portrayed in media uh, that that's what that makes me think about the every time i see something in like you know old cartoons or something of that sort that uh portrays these um japanese caricatures um as as evil doers uh, and it all it all links back you know to, to our being at war uh, uh with uh, with the japanese um which i guess was was that our first war with um with Asia, World War II, American, as far as uh, I, I believe so. Yeah, I mean, America didn't really get involved with like the Opium Wars. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, for Britain, it's uh, d- a different story. But for America, I think it was our first war with non-Europeans. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, well, I mean, you know, at least the Pacific Theater, of course. Um, wow. Uh, so yeah, this was a. Uh, it made me think uh, the serial that you know Batman is really about a guy who uses cleverness. To get through a situation like instead of going in and using superpowers to just destroy everyone in his way he's got to kind of um, use his brain use use lateral techniques to try and figure out what his enemies are doing and then he can go in and bust some balls and he can um uh, save the day like for example in in, in the episode we watched um uh, he has to. Uh, he finds out that a fortune teller is working with uh, the Japanese villain. Yeah, he was a Hindu fortune teller. Did you notice? I didn't notice that. Was he a real Hindu or was he a makeup Hindu? I'm not sure if he was a makeup. I didn't see that bit, but I did. I did see. I did see on the shop front that it said he was a Hindu fortune teller. <laughs> so, so Batman clocks him 
and uh, and then pretends to be him, and then he puts on a, a, a some kind of accent. I mean, it sounded Turkish or something to me. <laughs> um, and he's able to through a radio communicator talk to the uh, the bad guys' headquarters because that's apparently something the fortune teller had like under his uh, table or something like that. Um, Robin is also there. And what the hell's going on with his hair? <laughs> it's cool, isn't it? That's uh that's something that happens in a lot of these scenes though, is uh you describe the whole scene and you go, and Robin was there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well it's fun having Robin around, it is. Wait, it's like um, it's like can you can you imagine being an architect in nineteen thirties Gotham? I mean, everywhere has a trap door in it or a secret wall. I wish. Well, I mean, other depictions of Batman, uh I imagine being an architect in Gotham's pretty fun too, because everything has gargoyles and crenellations everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, whenever I see a movie set from the thirties or forties, I always assume there's a trap door somewhere there. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. It's such a convenient uh, uh, plot piece. But I'm serious. Why is Robin's hair like a Brillo pad the size of a fruitcake? What is he? What is he? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, if you say, I mean, it wouldn't be too difficult to figure out he was Robin when you see that head of hair. Yeah. Jesus, that's, uh, I don't know what what kind of thing he is. But uh, it makes me think that perhaps he's sort of a an example of early days Hollywood nepotism. <laughs> If you catch my drift, wink, wink. You didn't quite have much of the nose on there, though. <laughs> hey, you know, the uh, can't always uh, identify the bird by uh, its bill. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, before we before we move on, are we are we going to talk about the faux nineteen thirties Batman that you can find on on uh, YouTube? Yeah, the one with like the sixty frame per second like uh, uh, title cards, like animating yeah, yeah, the, across sh- the and screen. the shaky cam. <laughs> And the shaky cam, so like the illusion is shattered just out of ignorance of like former film techniques. All they yeah, do is yeah. put a black and white filter on it, and then get someone to uh, like an older guy to introduce it as though it's an old thing in like a you know uh, uh, the way that um, like Whoopi Goldberg would introduce Tom and Jerry on the DVDs and apologize for their being racist. <laughs> Wait, what? Is that really a thing? That yeah, this is something on the Tom and Jerry DVDs. No, I wish I'd made this up, but um, the Tom and Jerry DVDs have like uh, episodes where there's like a, an Aunt Jemima kind of character, and so you know anything that portrays black people as like not a scientist or something is racist. So um, Whoopi Goldberg is like at the beginning of the episode and being like, "It was another time," and uh, and and that, and then the episode starts. <laughs> Yeah, I did oh. notice in that in that faux faux black and white Batman that uh, they didn't they didn't moan about the squint eyes too much, did they? I don't think they had to. <laughs> I, I don't even think anyone had seen an Asian person. <laughs> but by the look of that dude's makeup in the in the black and white one, I don't think they had either. God bless him. Yeah. Now let's move on to 1966 Batman, the non-animated series, but quite animated itself. Uh, now, Hemingford, this is, um, this show is kind of attributable to, uh, saving the, uh, the comic franchise as well. Is that correct? Yeah, I had heard a story. I can't remember the actual whys and wherefores of it, but, but the, it seems the producers were offered three or four DC comics and out of that one, they they could pick one to turn into a TV series. And, and it was rumored at the time that, that whichever, Whichever one, which whichever of these didn't get picked up, would probably be losing their comic book. Wow. Okay. So the kind of connection between 
comic books and their adaptations that we're so familiar with today in the Marvel universe is sort of um uh, is, is kind of reflected in that relationship, right? Well, I think I think we've said this before, but but before the the current Marvel universe and Iron Man, um, there there were two. There were only two superheroes, maybe two, maybe two and a half heroes on on the block, and it was like it was Batman, Superman, and to a lesser degree, um, Spider Man. Right, Batman and Superman kind of uh, controlled everything in terms of of adaptations, and uh, you know I think that was uh, uh, primarily what people thought of when they they imagined superheroes, and I think you know that's why a lot of um, a lot of Marvel's superheroes are kind of modeled after that as well. Uh, do we do we know much about the creators of uh, of Batman? I know it was Bill Finger and uh, Bob Kane, and that's about as much as I know. But I know, I know Bob Bob Kane was was a bit problematic, and I think he he tried as much as he could to to write write Bill Finger out of Batman's history. But that's about all I know. Now, were these were these our people, or were these uh, other kinds of folk? As far as I know, they were our people. Oh yeah, I mean Kane's a pretty pretty solid English name. Uh, is it Irish name? I think. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. No. Uh... Stan Stan Leibowitz is here, or whatever his uh, whatever his name is. Leibowitz, um, yeah. Okay, there we go. But uh, yeah, if if there's one word that you can use to distill the 1960s series, it's what camp, right? Camp. That's kind of <laughs> it's kind of what everyone says about. Well, it's it's kind of a double edged sword, isn't it? Because without the 66 series, Batman wouldn't be a household name. But on the other hand, yeah. it also did a lot of damage to Batman's reputation, didn't it? Did it? I don't know. I, most people I know love that movie, man. For that show, the movie, the series. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of liked it when I was a kid. I don't even know where it was on TV. But oh, I'm not. I'm TV. not saying it wasn't good or it wasn't watchable, but I think it kind of done damage in in the way that you know Frank Miller then then had to come up with you know the Dark Knight to give him a real gritty edge to kind of bring it back somewhere towards the middle. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, it, it definitely was good in terms of like raw recognition but it did turn the character into uh it, it really it really took what was present in the comic books and just sort of brought it to life so uh things that it's like you would sort of write off as like oh well it's comic books it's supposed to kind of be goofy that they would do on screen were just like uh this this is just absurd yeah like uh moments where uh where batman and robin are tied to a floating buoy and a torpedo is being shot at them then like uh, it go fades to black. Thirty seconds later, it comes back, and it's like, "Oh wow, Batman, Robin, you sure got out of that trouble." It's like, "Oh, don't thank us. Thank that random wayward porpoise who blocked that torpedo, <laughs> <laughs> or the shark repellent." Oh that? man, yeah, that's the movie. Yeah, <laughs> classic. I th- I think most of the tropes from the show people know from the movie. It's a little more iconic. Here's the thing. Um, I don't know how old you guys were when you saw the 1960s Batman, but when I saw it i was really young and i was too young to understand irony so uh, honestly like i was i was watching the show as though it were like an episode of transformers or something and i couldn't understand why the stories didn't make sense to me <laughs> so it, it really really flew over my head and i just regarded it as something crappy until i became pr- pretty much an adult and understood that you know the, the point was to be absurd. Um, I thought it was just like, oh yeah, back then they had bad effects, and 
it was uh, bad storytelling and bad acting. I didn't know that it was supposed to, I didn't even realize it was supposed to be a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I don't think that was lost on me. I, I just I just thought it was, I was about like six or seven when I saw it. I, I just thought it was like a silly thing. And uh, I quite enjoyed it for uh, a long time. I didn't really see the other Batman stuff till I was like 12. 13 so a bit older um yeah so for the longest time that was the only batman thing i knew oh wow well maybe that's a good thing perhaps like for to introduce a child to batman you need to go through the years of batman chronologically M- maybe skip the 1940 serials but uh they're, they're a little hard to watch just because they're right. difficult to see and difficult yeah. to hear yeah. um but starting with the 1966 with its bright colors and, and bombastic. Well, I don't know. Perhaps the irony would go over most children's heads. I remember uh, I, I remember two very vague. Well, one of them not so vaguely. I remember uh, that one Teen Titans show I watched when I was a kid. Uh, What's that, Teen Titans Go? Uh, no, no. I was I was like 15 when that show came out. I'm, uh, I'm not that old. Uh, but yeah, I was I was still a little too old for that when that came out. Um, that came out in like 2004, I think. And uh, I also remember Batman Beyond. Uh, so I guess I heard of Batman through that too. Yeah, and there's also are we are we going to talk about the animated series or for another time? Oh, we're going to talk about it. Yeah, just not right now. Uh, right now, <laughs> I I want to talk about um kind of the the origin of Batman. Um, so it's it's kind of thought that. You know, Batman came about in the 1930s during the Great Depression, and uh, that this kind of hero was appealing to people because of the high crime rates uh, of of the 1930s. And this is sort of where the whole idea of socioeconomic status um, creating high violent crime rates, where that really became cemented in people's minds such that they felt like no other factor could even impact it. Well, I forget. I forget the analogs. Is it? Is it? Is it Gotham supposed to be New York and um, Metropolis is supposed to be Chicago? Is it? That's right. Yeah, Gotham yeah. City. Uh, Gothic architecture is normally associated with New York City. Uh, Metropolis, yeah, is kind of more like uh, Chicago. I would say there's no other city uh, that would really fit Metropolis in America. Well, not in America, no. But uh, the original Metropolis was actually based off of Toronto. Say what? I'm mm-hmm. telling you, a Canuck city, what? a metropolis yeah. in Canada, because of how, because of how back, how back in the day Toronto was a very bright and clean city. Well, that's that's not even the worst Superman city analog, is it? Because uh, Superman for the quest for peace, apparently the city scenes are in Newton, Milton Keynes in England. Oof! <laughs> wow. How could Superman draw his energy from the sun with all that fog everywhere? <laughs> <laughs> but um the uh the, the crime rate in the 1930s was the peak the violent crime rate the homicide rate i should say to be more specific was the peak for the pre-war 20th century but that was um less than 10 people in 100,000 so that was the homicide rate the homicide rate today like the highest you'll find in in America is uh 60 almost 60 in 100,000 and uh, the economy is is at historic highs, historic highs. So, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, but it was during the Great Depression, and it's you know, uh, quote unquote, uh, you know, uh, uh, obscene violent crime rates that uh, this idea that SES and and violent crime are intrinsically linked—that's where that myth was created. Now, don't get me wrong, you know, bad times uh, uh, bring bad men out of the woodwork. That's absolutely true, but it's not the most important factor. But that's why Batman was created. He was someone who fought criminals. He fought criminals in a way that people could imagine themselves doing. Um, But he was a vigilante, so he had to wear a mask. No one ever cared who he was before he put on the mask. He was just a kid with some dead parents before he put on the mask. Yeah. I mean, well, the way uh, you were meant to see superhero stuff back then was a lot different. Now it's like, back then it's like, oh, this is just a cool thing. You know, maybe it like inspires like little kids, but like now it's just like um your life it's like religion now it's kind of sad it was expressly for children exactly then today it's for man children you know this uh delayed adolescence we talked about this in our uh catherine episode that uh the delayed adolescence is kind of a a pervasive thing in modernity and is especially something that affects men i think uh yeah uh, <laughs> so the uh, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with uh following something like batman in your adulthood and certainly the media itself has has changed to accommodate uh, an aging audience or, or rather a, a a broader uh, uh yeah. range of ages and markets Walrus, do you do you think Bruce Bruce Wayne speaks to something uh, I've heard you talk about before, the noblesse oblige? Uh, to a certain extent, he does definitely. Um, so I mean, him being Batman is a lot of his own desire to to give back to his city, a city that uh actively took from him, you know, his own parents who were his father Thomas was both a doctor and a uh, philanthropist. And, you know, basically gave his life for the attempted betterment of Gotham and Gotham rewarded him by killing him. But uh, Bruce never, at least at least in most of the continuity, there's never really a moment where he where he gets angry about that. Like there's points where he's upset, where he's depressed, where he kind of runs away. But once he, you know, accepts to like put on the mask and be the Batman, he does his persona of like the rich dilettante playboy. But he also does stuff like where he raises tons of money and donates like the profits of his company to good cause X, Y, and Z, etc. Like every aspect of his life except for the parts he does to sort of maintain his cover as this layabout playboy, it is meant to be like in service of other people. Another thing I think about Bruce Wayne's character is, is that I think that, that maybe like Batman is the real Bruce Wayne and Bruce Wayne is the mask. Yeah, that's that's really one of the best ways to think about it. Tone mentioned a uh, Batman Beyond before. One of the most uh one of the best depictions of Batman I've seen is that in which uh Bruce Wayne is like a surly old man and uh you've got his young protege Terry McGinnis who is uh who is the uh who who is the actual Batman. But there's an episode where uh they think Bruce is going crazy because of something some supervillain's doing. But at the very end of the episode, Terry just sort of looks at him and goes, How did you know you weren't crazy? And he's like, Well, two things. One, I'm not psychotic. Two, the voice that was in my head kept calling me Bruce. In my in my head, that's not what I call myself. <laughs> he goes, Well, what do you call yourself? And then Bruce just turns at him and like glares and's like, What what the fuck do you think? <laughs> 
like Bruce Wayne is explicitly just a front designed to not draw too too much attention. Like like to be to be publicly uninteresting, basically. Yeah, I've read a few comics where he says like you know that currently Bruce Wayne is such and such personality, you know, because like then I can then I can disappear and turn into Batman and reappear again without too many people noticing. Yeah, and that's uh, and it's also worth noting this is another place where uh, it's important to note that Batman has quite a few influences, and one of the most notable ones is um the old pulp hero, the Shadow. And in a lot of ways, like there are there are some moments of less than homage, more blatant ripoff <laughs> of the shadow that appear. One of the things that's a little bit more notable that really connects the two is the fact that uh the shadow was one of not one of the first uh he was he was definitely a proto hero. He was he was a pulp detective sort of character. But one of his big things was the fact that not just that he possessed supernatural powers, but it, or that it was a, this astounding detective, but he also had this alter ego who is this dilettante, wealthy man about town type, which he used as a, as a persona to draw suspicion away from himself, but also insinuate himself anywhere that he might get a lead on criminal activity. Also, I think uh, I think early Batman he had the the dual magnums, which was which was a trait of the Shadow as well, wasn't it? Yep, dual magnums and the red scarf was the Shadow's trademark. That and the wide brim hat, and then Batman was the basically the dual magnums, and then you know his cowl and his cape and shark repellent. <laughs> yes, plenty of shark repellent. Since we're talking about Batman's origins, I think this is a good time to move on to the 1980s Batman film. Just uh, Batman, Batman. I'm Batman. Uh, starring Michael Keaton as Bruce Wayne slash Batman. Don't give that his identity, dude. <laughs> I think he's my favorite depiction of uh, Batman on screen. Some people might go for the lateral Adam West pick, but, you know, if we're going with a kind of a, an attempt to really uh, faithfully portray the character from the comics, I think Michael Keaton is my favorite Bat. Yeah. Not loving Bean Affleck Batman. I have seen Lord 2019. <laughs> I was going to say, it's like the Joker was, was the role that Nicholson was born to play, wasn't it? Oh, he's so good as a joke. I, honestly, Jack Nicholson is my favorite joke. Uh, he is great in this movie. This movie sets up the lore that uh, the Joker killed um, Bruce Wayne's parents. Yeah, I don't know how to feel about that. Uh, it's I, I, don't, weird. I don't like these incestuous or, origin, or, origin yeah, stories. Like, I, I don't like it. I get that it works better for a movie because it makes it more personal, and um, so you can fit it into a uh, you know a revenge story better. You know, it works better as a movie. It's definitely better for a film, but I also do think that whether it's true, whether it's it's true to the source material or not, it speaks to a deeper truth about the Batman lore in general, which is that Joker is really meant to be the perfect foil of Batman. And as your depiction of Batman changes, so does your depiction of the Joker to better reflect that. Well, if you take the ki the Killing Joke as the source material, it's kind of it's really the other way around, isn't it? Because Bat Batman creates um, the Joker by dumping the Red Hood in the chemical uh, Ace Chemical. Yeah, like, not even intentionally, just as a just as a random accident. Yeah. Now, is the um, is is the Joker Irish? Uh, what? <laughs> Wherever you go with this one, Matt. I mean, so if if Batman is a reflection of 1930s America, where there was a, a oh the wasp elite, okay, 
<laughs> I'm seeing it now. You also oh. have an influx of uh, of the Irish coming in and uh, getting arrested for public drunkenness, generally being a nuisance and are kind of public enemy number one. But that's occurring much earlier than like 1930. Oh, the 1920s. You're right. But the, I mean, I feel like the Irish were kind of a uh, seen as a nuisance or or lowers um, for for some time. I feel like that 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 never even really escaped them until perhaps the the 1960s. Well, that was starting. That was starting to turn by the end of Prohibition. Is sort of the thing. And yeah, pro and like a, a lot of the Irish immigration was late 1800s prior to World War One. But you do still have a prominent Irish underclass. You don't really have like wealthy, or you have a very limited number of wealthy Irish people. The most notable being uh, Jack Kennedy. Listen, the Joker's white, so you're telling me yeah. what, what 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 kind of person is going to be you know uh, killing Bruce Wayne's parents? Right? Is it is it gonna be is it gonna be what? Is it gonna be a, a German? Is it gonna be an Anglo? Or is it gonna be an Irish? Now, if I were a, an olden time comic book author, I would probably choose the Irish. Well, I can never remember who killed his mum and dad in the comic books. It was either Lou Moxon or Joe Chill. I think it was Joe, it was Joe Chill, Chill that actually killed him in the yeah, comics. Yeah, it was Joe yeah. Chill. What kind of a last name is Chill? Is he supposed to be like the, uh, what is that, Professor Ice? Or what? who, who did Arnold, uh, I don't want to skip forward. Victor Freeze. But, uh, Victor Freeze. Victor Freeze, okay. <laughs> so Joe Chill and Victor Freeze, maybe they're cousins. Maybe they're cousins. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how it works. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we, we can talk about white people this frankly because we're all uh, intersexual and intersectional. So, One black. <laughs> well, obviously. I mean, you're a Brazilian black man. Um, yes. <laughs> Welcome to Brazil. This is my real voice. You're black French, or as we call it, just <laughs> French. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we've talked about the 1980s film at all, except for Jack Nicholson. So let's uh, yeah, wait. Is yeah, Jack Nicholson it's... Irish? Uh Nicholson. It Nicholson could be is a, a kind of Irish name. Yeah, could be. I don't know. Uh, what's that site? <laughs> Let me look it up. I'm looking it up. Uh, no, I'm way ahead of you. I'm way ahead of you. I'm right here. I'm right here already. Okay, his mother. Ah, look at this. Irish. His biological father. Oh, go figure. Unknown. <laughs> but there are there are some options here there it's a good thing it's a good here. thing that we know that the irish practice a matrilineal tradition so <laughs> we can say with certainty he is irish so there there's some speculation here uh, uh what his father was um which is like okay I'll, I'll just let you interpret this it's either italian latvian ashkenazi jewish or baltic german <laughs> Well, he does star in major Hollywood pictures, so <laughs> I'm going to have to go with Italian on that one. He was born in 1937. That was the time that Bruce Wayne's parents were killed. Oh, my. I think, we, I think we've solved the mystery here, not. <laughs> Holy crap, dude. We are... Broke, Joker killed Batman's parents. Woke, John Chill killed Batman's parents. Woke, Jack Nicholson killed Jack... <laughs> Killed Batman's parents. <laughs> Joseph Chillington. I just love that name, Joe Chill. I, it's like, hey, chill out, man. Just let me kill your parents. What kind of <laughs> name is Joe Chill? Or like he ices people? I've been to the future, man. I'm doing you a favor. <laughs> I'm creating a multi-billion dollar franchise. 
Uh, this movie was pretty good, right? I, I, I honestly, I haven't um, gone back to it that often. I think I've watched it a couple of times. I do have one thing to say about this film, though. It's like, what is Alfred's only job? It's keeping people out of the Batcave. And what does he do? There you go, Vicky. There's the key. There's the keys to the back from Batcave. Knock yourself out. I mean, someone finds out Batman's identity in like every movie, right? Like every movie they do this where someone finds out and it's supposed to be like this tantalizing moment of suspense. And normally, you know, it's a woman. It's usually his love interest who kind of finds out who he really is. Now, is this maybe a metaphor for, you know, men needing to expose themselves to to a woman (laughs) in order to, you know, uh, cement their bond? Right. Like he doesn't expose who he truly is to anyone but he exposes who he is to his lover. Can Perhaps all men can relate to that. I thought you were talking about certain ficus plant enthusiasts that like exposing themselves to women. Um, no, no. Wayne is not that kind of family. <laughs> <laughs> They're good people. But uh, yeah, I think that this movie did a great job at kind of uh, defining Batman for the screen. Uh, I, I, I think we have a lot to owe Tim Burton for rejuvenating and, and, and bringing Batman into the public. I believe Tim Burton had a part in the, uh, the look of the animated series as well. So it's like yeah. a double thank you to Tim Burton for that. Yeah, I'll say this. Like, I'm not, I'm not really a big Tim Burton fan, um, especially like past 2000. I think in the 80s and maybe early 90s, he did some good stuff. I like, uh, I like Batman. Um, but nowadays, he just makes movies for fat girls. <laughs> I guess you could say. <laughs> It's like I don't I don't wanna watch fucking nightmare before Christmas, you fucking ham hawk. Fuck off. <laughs> I think was it was I think Big Fish was his last good film, wasn't it? I guess it I guess it is now uh fat girls who like that, but I mean back in yeah, my day it was uh mostly big titty goth GFs in high school who yeah. didn't also have rolls of fat to account for their big titties. Those those girls got fat and their titties started to sag. <laughs> Some of them, <laughs> some of them, I think, just turned into run-of-the-mill hippies. There were plenty oh, of God. like goth GFs at my uh, my high school who basically had the the hippie aesthetic, but like it was all like muted reds and and browns and and blacks. That's but they had awful. like the long skirts and the t-shirty thing, you know. But anyway, we're getting off topic. Yeah, yeah. Edgy girls used to be cool. They suck now. I'll I'll tell you where Tim Burton went wrong, and this is very deeply related to the topic at hand um is uh, uh superman returns i think it was called was it not it's superman lives isn't there because there's superman a documentary lives. The okay there we go lives. yeah this was a a film that was supposed to have starred nicholas cage as superman and Dude, he had what kind the of fuck? a skullet yep he had kind of a skullet oh going my on. yeah that's right fucking uh superman had a mullet in the 90s yeah it was cool kevin smith had a hand in that film as well didn't he dude is, did he i want to yeah. see this uh, okay i um was not aware of that that's very interesting yeah everyone wants to see it there is a documentary about it that i watched but i think that not being able to make that film after doing a lot of pre-production on it and i mean nicholas cage was uh was also heavily involved in in the pre-production like this was this this movie was all all set to go and it looked amazing um and it probably would have been amazing have have you heard about brian miller's uh justice league film that was going to be made they had the cast assembled they had all the pre-production done they were literally just just about to make it and then it got shelved 
I can't remember for what reason. It seems to me like uh, it's it's similar to Yadorowski's Dune, where when they go to yeah. present all of their pre-production work to the studios, it just it just peters out, and 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 no one wants to move forward with it. I I kind of forget why exactly Warner Brothers didn't move forward. I think it was Warner Brothers didn't move forward with the Superman Lives, but um, I I believe that that failure affected tim burton so much he was just like i'm gonna make shitty movies from now on and he did <laughs> i i'm gonna be honest like i don't know how i feel about tim burton directing superman uh i think that's kind of weird uh but i uh, but i'm a hundred percent behind nick cage as superman exactly exactly they're, they're re they're redoing the dc cinematic universe it's it could happen could happen everyone played by nick cage everyone played by nick cage fucking batman nick cage uh fucking superman nick cage aquaman nick cage wonder woman <laughs> nick cage i just want i just want a one-man show we could we could do it just as well with all the cg what if you had nicholas cage and jack nicholson in the same movie superman versus joker dude well, we have, it's nick so that cage shit plays all the goodies and uh jack, jack nicholson plays all the baddies <laughs> <laughs> Tim Burton direct multi-billion dollar idea there if not multi-million <laughs> so yeah Batman Returns is my favorite Batman movie I think that it it was it's one of the very few superhero movies to pull off the multiple villain formula oh, yeah. actually well uh, I, I really felt like uh, the Penguin and, and, and Catwoman were really well fleshed out and they felt like they belonged in the movie uh, neither of them felt like they were thrown in. And perhaps this is what gave other directors the idea that they could put multiple villains in their films uh, in, in other Superman, I mean, I'm sorry, superhero movies. Um, but if you look at something like, I, I don't know, maybe where this sort of jumped the shark and dispelled people of this notion was probably Spider-Man 3, which I think had three different uh, villains in it. And it was just, you know, a clusterfuck. I, I was also going to say that um, the uh, Batman Returns also has Pee Wee Herman as the as the Penguin's father. Oh my God, you're right, dude. <laughs> really? God. I don't even remember that. Oh my the other God. Issue with uh, it was uh the the second Amazing Spider-Man that had all of those villains, and Spider-Man Three did as well. Like the problem was that uh they also didn't pick the best cast for the villains they wanted to portray. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Just think without Sp without Spider-Man 3 you wouldn't have that excellent jazz dance sequence with Toby Maguire. Dude, I haven't seen those Spider-Man movies since I was like a little kid. <laughs> it's been so long. To be fair, Spider-Man 3 I think had a better Gwen Stacy than uh the Amazing Spider-Man movies Sony did. Well, everything is better than the Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, Emma Emma Stone, is that her name? She's not. Yeah. Hot. Yeah, yeah. Not hot, not like doing it too much. I like I'm more of a Kirsten Dunst guy. I know they're different characters. They play different characters, but still. Anyway, this isn't the Spider-Man episode. This ain't Spider-Man. <laughs> no Spider-Man. Oh, I mean, in the in the 43 Batman, they called him Batman. <laughs> Batman. Hey, hey Spider Spider-Man parentheses Batman brackets. Spider-Man. Batman. <laughs> Batman. No, Batman in brackets. Spider-Man in parentheses. No, no, no Batman. <laughs> Batman. Not Batman. Batman. <laughs> Batman. It's the bat. Run. 
Anyway, What's Danny DeVito does a great job. My Michelle Pfeiffer does an awesome job. I mean, it actually fooled me into thinking Michelle Pfeiffer is a good actress, that movie. Um, so yeah. I watched some other films that she had done. Uh, even even Dangerous Minds is pretty not great. I mean, Michelle Pfeiffer is beautiful, but uh, not 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 too awesome of an actress. Yeah. I think she did all right as Catwoman, though. She's, she's, I mean, she's better yeah, than no, the no, this movie, Catwoman. Amazing role. Amazing role for her. Christopher Walken was in it. You know, that's great. Everyone loves him. Christopher Walken. Danny DeVito was in it. Dude, everyone loves Danny DeVito. Yeah. No, he did a great job. He's got, he's got some of the best lines in it, though, hasn't he? He's like, at least I don't have blood pouring out my nose. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Here's the thing. Danny DeVito plays a fat penguin man with robot pen or not robot penguins, penguins with fucking rockets strapped to them, dude. Yeah. Penguins with freaking laser beams. He was raised by penguins. He was raised by penguins. He became yes. one of them. Oh gosh. Dude. Sorry, uh there's a there's a co- weird comic out there called uh The Doom That Came to Gotham. Which is like a Lovecraftian Batman story. Oh no! And uh, in that Cobblepot was a Cobblepot. The the proper name of uh, Penguin was a uh, was a researcher who disappeared in Antarctica and who is shown several times, kind of distended looking, but like completely naked, living with penguins. I believe they made a uh, Batman anime not that long ago. Couple years. A Batman anime. Yeah. Ninja Batman. Yeah, is that like a Japanese thing or is it just like a Yeah, yeah, slip? it's like it's um there's a it's a time slip thing where they get thrown back to feudal Japan. Wow. Did Japanese actually make it or Yeah, I, I believe wow. so. That's that's interesting. Bruce Wayne. <laughs> uh yes. We're talking about Jap Batman. That's not Are we are we just one. trying to avoid Batman forever? No, I love Batman Forever, dude. No, let's talk about uh let's talk about Batman Forever. Dude. Batman Batman Forever is is pretty good. What were the villains? Who were the villains in this? Uh Two Face and Riddler. It doesn't it doesn't have oh, okay. it doesn't no, it have absolutely Arnold. matters. No 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 no. Riddler is my favorite uh a Batman villain. That's because you desperately want to be the biggest brain in the room, Nat. Let's just be real. No, it's because he says things like what is six percent Batman, but also one half. Hey, Batman! Despite being thirteen percent of the population, what? What? Hey, what are you talking about, Tone? He just tells riddles, okay? He's like, "Riddle me this, Batman." Oh, I did read something recently. Apparently, Tommy Jones and uh, and and Jim Carrey absolutely hated each other. Oh yeah, yeah. Apparently it spilled off set as well into a restaurant. I hate Jim Carrey too, so... Yeah, yeah. A lot of actors hate Tommy Lee Jones. I don't know why. I guess he's just an asshole. I don't know. (laughs) Did you guys know that um, this wasn't the first appearance of Two-Face in the uh, the movies? Yeah, the, uh, the... He's like a character in the background. He's like some black guy, but he hasn't become Two-Face yet. Oh, you mean Billy Billy D. Williams? Apparently, apparently in Lego Batman, they got Billy D. Williams to voice him, is what I've heard. Uh, so that's interesting. Well, my my theory, my speculation is, so they were setting him up to play Two-Face in a future film. Um, they had to, so they had him in the first Batman. Then they had to pay him, I believe, for Batman Returns, even though he didn't appear in it, right? Because they didn't have the Two-Face character, but because of some contractual stuff. And I guess he was being an uppity 
gentleman, if you will. And they didn't bring him on for uh, the third movie. They brought in Tommy Lee Jones, who just does such a crappy job. He's yeah. he, he's one of the worst, I think, ever I, to play a Batman. I think Tommy villain. Lee Jones is a good actor, but not in this kind of thing, you know? Yeah, he just doesn't have that kind of uh, cartoonish yeah. panache. I, yeah, I don't know how you put sucks. it. He's too down to earth. Yeah. It's too understated. Like, put Tommy Lee Jones in, like, some sort of, like, serious drama. Or maybe he can play, like, the straight man, you know? Like, Men in Black. Tommy Lee Jones, straight, you lost me, Tone. Is he gay? No, he's Probably. Oh. Uh-huh. But if he played well, Commissioner I Gordon, I would actually find that to be pretty nice. Um, I think he could... Uh, I mean, Commissioner Gordon work. is kind of the straight man in, in the Batman, you know, lore. Right? Am I wrong mm-hmm. about this? I suppose his demeanor would make him more of a Harvey Bullet. He is sort of the the normal person's entry point to this weird world of shadows. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what I thought. Because um, Alfred's almost there, but he's sort of in on the he's in on everything, so it's hard to uh, you know relate to him. He's not just in on everything. In most good iterations of Alfred, Alfred has like his own secrets. He has his own sort of thing that goes on. His own BDSM dungeon in an, in an alcove of the back. <laughs> the more recent movies, I know we haven't gotten to them yet. They sort of hint at this, but uh, he had a long, in various iterations, he had a long, uh, Alfred had a long running relationship with British intelligence. Like he was like a paratrooper in the war. He was a theater uh, actor as well, wasn't he? Horses. He did theater acting like there's a there's a lot of different backstories for him he's basically every british thing rolled into one <laughs> yeah, yeah it's at, at every at every time he or at every at, an mi6 it, he was in, a paratrooper. A, across all of his iterations he does manifest every you know thing we we as americans associate with british high culture which includes you know james bond uh the blitz uh you know theater acting all of it are we are we saying that uh, alfred is the eternal anglo is that what I'm saying? yes <laughs> yeah he is the eternal anglo distilled <laughs> i like to think that alfred's family and maybe this is actually stated who knows but alfred's family like served the waynes like multi-generationally you know i believe that is that's my head canon might also be real alfred's also a very very selfless character isn't he because because he's he's given up his chance at a wife having kids to to raise Bruce Wayne, doesn't he? Yeah. Well, that's kind of sad. Now you made me sad. That's another point that comes up is that he tried the whole family life thing and things didn't work out for some reason. Like in some, it's like he's a widower and his his son died. Like his son went off to war somewhere and never came back. Well, he's also kind of a valso, right? Yeah. He never, yeah. Like takes on it. He doesn't have any girlfriends, even though he's he's ostensibly rich. Uh, he's tacitly hyper wealthy because I'm sure he has full access to the you know the Wayne fortune. Wayne's oh, yeah. cast offs. <laughs> Bruce Wayne's <laughs> cast offs when he, he just when he picks up whatever falls on the ground. Valerie. Alfred is the kind of dude who wouldn't misuse that that trust. Like he he literally had full access to that estate while Bruce Wayne was growing up, and there was still a fortune left at the end of it. Right, but you know he could at least get a date, but he he chooses not to. He's 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 kind of this sort of uh, mythical. I don't know this this he's he's like a literary device more than a human being. You know. Oh, he's he's a very very human being because um at, at one point during the nineties in the comics. Alfred left, and and Alfred left 
just after uh, just after Bruce's back was broken by Bane because he literally said, "I'm not going to be around. I'm not going to hang around here and watch you kill yourself." Mm. Ah, interesting. As someone that doesn't really have a whole lot of experience uh, with the comics, uh, he definitely does come off as just kind of like a you know the stereotype like butler dude. Right. His 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 other purpose is to kind of prick uh, Bruce's pomposity as well. Yeah, yeah. Because Bruce will get too big for his britches, and and uh, and Alfred's there just to bring it, bring him back down to <laughs> earth with like a snappy quip. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's the dry British wit. Is yeah. it, it's the it's sort of the American hyper seriousness versus like the British style of like grim or dry humor. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, that. Like you can imagine Bruce Wayne coming home. And being like, Alfred, it's going to be another all-nighter. And him explaining all of the stuff going on. And then Alfred going, oh, well, for a minute there, I thought we were in trouble. <laughs> but you can also imagine kind of Alfred, like, Bruce is there. He hasn't taken the cowl off. He's being hyper-serious. And, and and you can imagine Alfred saying something like, you know, you're at home now, mate. There's no need to, you, know, you don't need the cowl on. You're not hiding from, you don't need to hide from me kind of thing, couldn't you? Oh, yeah. I'm sure Alfred bounces the fuck out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the entirety of uh, Batman the Animated Series. Yeah, is every statement out of Alfred's mouth is is that? I've never actually. All right, uh, I I I gotta admit, I I never really watched the animated series. It's a bit before my time. The animated uh, series yeah. is very very underrated. I mean, if if you, I you I don't know watch, about that. Got the perfect Batman. Pitch, yeah, it's, I think it's it, pretty well regarded. Like, yeah, it's very high, well, highly regarded. It's pretty well regarded. Um. It, it's pitched. It's pitched perfectly. It's it. It's the sort of thing that like adult, adult, adults and children can watch, but without doing that silly like um, like rude jokes for the adults type of thing. He does it because yeah, because yeah. they're good stories and well crafted characters. Yeah, I, yeah, I need to get around. A, a good chunk of it for a good chunk of it for me, like for a more adult audience, again is Alfred, and it's it's Alfred because. Like, when you're a kid, half the time you don't even pay attention to what Alfred's saying. You're like, oh, I don't care about Alfred. Alfred's not important. But as an adult, you actually listen to him, you're like, oh, oh, that was funny. Well, without the anim- animated series, Victor Freeze, you wouldn't have heard of him because he was like a Z-list villain and until wow. the... Uh, is it Cold as Ice? Is that the name of the episode? I think it is. Yeah. Well, what like what the... came uh, What came first, uh, the animated series or uh, Batman and Robin? Uh, the animated series. Oh, really? Yeah, Batman and Robin was a a few years after. Yeah, that's how I knew about Robin was from the animated series because this was my first exposure to kind of like what what Batman really was after the 1966 uh, uh, thing. So I actually saw um, uh, Batman Returns after I started watching the animated series. And and yeah, it it is really, really good. It's also the first... Thing that made me think about animation in more of an artistic like <laughs> craftsperson kind of way uh you know i i I'd, I'd already been watching anime for a bit and this opened my eyes to the idea of animation being able to tell more uh more intricate stories than than what i'd been used to with western animation but it was really uh, uh batman the animated series that made me think about uh the way animation was created uh they actually had a yeah. mini documentary on uh this was uh this show aired on fox um, I believe it was after school, and uh, they had a mini documentary showing like the the creation of the show, and this like really opened my eyes. Just the the fact that they uh, they used black paper 
instead of white paper to do their animation and it's like whoa like putting in that level of detail and thought and effort into into animation is a um yeah very very eye-opening uh and and kind of incredible and it's still impressive it still looks really good harley quinn also is a is a product of the animated series she didn't exist in comics beforehand oh well double double blessing yeah it's a shame no one's done anything you know meaningful or significant with her since then though that's true (laughs) that is very true uh yeah and i don't think that she's appeared in any of the any of the proper films aside from uh suicide squad right yeah i think that was her first appearance on film so let's talk about batman and uh and robin um yeah let's uh, talk about This is this is kind of where Batman uh, jumped the shark, and unfortunately, Batman had left his repellent at home that day um, because we didn't see Batman He's for been a, a little time while. To tell that joke, folks. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> uh, so, so this has a uh, uh, Batman and Robin, and I believe Robin was in Batman Forever as well, right? Um, yeah, that was his first. That was his first. But Batman and Robin also had Batgirl in it, uh, yes, played it by did. Alicia Silverstone. Was she in uh, the comics, or was she something from the like '60s show? She's from the she's from the comics and the '60s show. Batgirl was in. Oh, Batgirl. okay, okay. Batgirl also is again big in the animated series, oh. and I uh, I sort of took uh, watching Batman and Robin uh again like a year or so ago i think i had to watch it again for something uh but uh i felt like they took some cues from the animated series because um just just from the standpoint that uh batgirl and mr freeze both being prominent like it's uh as i recall the animated series where uh where they introduced mr freeze uh barbara gordon uh commissioner gordon's daughter who was Batgirl was uh, really significant mm. in that. Like she gets like kidnapped, or she has to do like her own like super secret squirrel yeah. side mission stuff. I I think the best way to sum up, um, like I mean, like you, you did compare it to the anime series, which I I I don't know. I guess that's fair. I I don't really. I'm not very familiar with it. Um, but <laughs> I think it's fair to say that <laughs> this movie is like not a cartoon but it's significantly less intelligent than a children's cartoon (laughs) it's dumb and i love it all right all right this movie is just like it's like got great sets it's got arnold schwarzenegger making stupid fucking ice puns and singing do you remember this and singing i i mean like i'm sorry how do i not love it it's got like the trashiest poison ivy ever. <laughs> yeah, the worst, part. the worst so picture of Bane ever seen. Dude. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, oh, it's great. Uh, so... Arnold Schwarzenegger really got top billing in. He got in some the movie. great. He got some great puns in too, didn't he? Oh yeah, man. Be loud. <laughs> I saw you too. I used to meet you. <laughs> Dude. You know what kills the dinosaurs, Batman? The Ice Age! <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, great. Oh, you've got one of the best lines from Batman Forever. It's like, do you want something to eat, sir? No, I'll get drive through. Do you remember that one from Batman Forever? <laughs> <laughs> they also, uh, Batman and Robin also did something very important for Batman continuity. It introduced the Batman credit card. Of course. <laughs> yeah. I mean, never, ne- leave, never leave the cave without it, yeah. <laughs> Wait, this oh, was man. also the Batman with bat nipples. 
Yes, of course. Yes. Uh, Forever was the first appearance of bat nipples. Yeah, Didn't this yeah. have really? not, like the bat thong or something? In it? I, I, I think it's important to note that the director of this movie is incredibly gay. <laughs> I mean, it's Tim Burton, isn't it? No, it's true. No, no, it's uh, the, fir- the, the Batman, Batman, Batman and Batman Returns are Tim Burton and Forever and Batman and Robin are Joel Schumacher. Which I'm gonna say that I think that visually these movies are really, really stunning. Like the sets and the lighting, they look great. Like I don't know. Don't you even? Don't you have like, even have like the? Uh, is it the Dutch tilt? It's called, isn't it? Yeah, they. Which, they which was a thing from the '60s TV series. Yeah, it's like it's it's like the '60s one. It's, it's sort of. It's it's really colorful it's it's great move like I, I was like pretty young when i saw this right oh it's the it's it's the one with uh barbara gordon and uh is she a motorbike right uh, uh, uh like a fast and the furious style motorbike racer isn't she and uh robin tads tags along doesn't he oh, i don't even remember that it's been years can we talk about the bat nipples a little bit more <laughs> i love the bat nipples. they should have been functional people always bring this up as being cringy but um when i uh uh i read about why they were included and the idea was that the 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 suits were 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 meant to emulate like uh like greco-roman uh uh, sculptures which were anatomically correct of course and so that's why the nipples are included because they're modeled after that and and by the way batgirl also has nipples on her Mm -hmm. uh on her suit so it's not strictly gay i uh Yes. I wasn't. I wasn't exactly looking for nipples. You weren't looking. Well, that, that's that's your loss. I man. look for nipples in all of my superhero movies. <laughs> Anatomically correct uh, superhero suits as well. But yeah, Alicia Silverstone looks kind of chubby in this. I don't know. She looked hotter in Clueless, but she. I don't know. She starts getting chubby in this. Uh, in this movie onward i didn't i didn't really uh like her too much i guess she was kind of the one of the more famous and affordable blonde women uh at the time uh, that this movie was made i guess now she'd be mexican or something so if i remember rightly there, there was no love interest for batman in this one was there because in batman forever it's chase meridian played by um nicole kidman and i did i think it was like poison ivy i, I assume was supposed to be the loving oh no it was um Drew Barrymore was the love interest in Chief of Batman. Drew Barrymore was in this? Uh, oh, wait. Yeah, she was... Um, <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones had the two hench women, didn't he? It was... It was um, Drew Barrymore was was the good side, and I can't remember who the bad side was. I don't think she was a known actress, was she? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true, now that I think about it. Uh, yeah, she looks okay. She's all right. I don't know. Everyone looks so weird... She was in Batman oh, no, Two Forever. Face. Two Face was. Batman I'm, I'm looking at. I'm looking at pictures of. Uh, it. I don't see nipples in uh, Batman and Robin. Only Batman Forever. This is a travesty, and I'm sad. <laughs> is it? Is this the real reason that the 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 franchise sunk? Because they didn't have bad nipples. Yeah, of course. Bad nipples were holding the whole thing together. Yeah, basically. All right. Now that we've established that, why don't we move on to? Uh, Oh, do you want to talk about Batman Dead End? I think you've seen a bit of it, haven't you, Tone? Uh, what? Batman Dead End. Um, it's the one where it's Batman and the Joker versus Aliens versus Predator. It's a short oh. film. 
I okay, so I saw the bit where Batman fights the Predator, and I'm like, yeah, that's all I need, really. I I didn't even <laughs> know that it was a full thing. I just thought someone just made a Batman. It's I think it's about ten fifteen minutes, if uh, that. It's only a I very, only saw very short fight. fan film. Yeah, yeah. And then the oh, aliens cool. turn up at the end. Alien vs Predator is really cool. Um, it the comics are great. The games are great. Um, the movies are trash. Don't watch them. But yeah, Aliens vs. Predator is awesome. And adding Batman in there, uh I I don't I don't it's pretty There was cool. a Batman vs. Predator comic set too. I think yeah, there was, there was. Uh, Have you read yeah. those? Uh no, I haven't gotten a chance to read them. I believe there was Wait, Batman. Wait, did you say Batman vs. As... Predator? Yes. Yeah, there's about there's about three comic series of it. There's a bunch of crossover comics, uh, especially with horror shit. One can immediately sense the appeal, especially if you've seen the movie, the the second Predator movie. Like, uh, oh yeah, the, like Batman is like the ultimate urban prey for the uh, for the ultimate space hunter. <laughs> Not Alien. They did have Alien. Alien versus Predator Two. The Alien was in an urban area, or at least a suburb. Uh, area. no, we're talking about just Predator Two. Uh, yeah, uh, Alien vs. Predator 2, no one cares. Like, the 1980s? I never saw Predator 2, but when you say that Batman is the ultimate urban prey, it's like, he's just a dude in a suit. (laughs) Yeah, but he's he's an especially good human, and the Predators really like hunting humans. Who doesn't? They're really good prey. So does Jeff Bezos. (laughs) Well, we all know that Jeff Bezos is really just has been replaced by Zuckerberg with a a robot much like himself. Do do you think uh, Jeff Bezos uh, hunts? Hunts human prey, much like the predator. Well, he actually he he's actually a clone of Mark Zuckerberg that Mark Zuckerberg made, so that neither of them would be virgins. I mean, he he only hunts Jeff Bezos. Uh, number one, he's not an intergalactic predator, so he only hunts mentally retarded prey. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember this one. <laughs> yeah, you you remember this from the New York Times, of course, where they published everything about that. Yeah, look it up. Real facts. Is that the whole thing on Dead End? I've never seen this. So it's 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 Alien versus Predator versus Batman versus Robin. I think the most interesting thing about it is it shows traditional style Batman costume rather than like the fake muscled costume. It's like the eighties one, I believe. The uh, fucking I guess it's just called Batman. Uh, you know, you know what I'm talking about. The eighties Batman costume. No, no, it's it's actually it's more like the um. It's more like the '66 Batman costume. Oh, really? But yeah, oh. but it's um, but like the guys like got a better physique than uh, yeah, yeah. Than I West did. Hey, all right. I see how it is. Imagine uh, a jacked Adam West, dude. <laughs> jacked. Adam. I mean, yeah, his name is Adam West. <laughs> Have you seen Batman? It's fucking. Okay, jacked, okay. Dude. Let's move on now to the Nolan verse with Batman Begins. All right. So we've uh, we've got Christian Bale doing a funny voice. He trains yeah. under ninjas, led by Liam Neeson. Don't you think? It, don't you think it'd be better if he said, "I'm Batman." <laughs> I'm Batman. I'm Batman. I am Batman. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. I'm led by the I'm... whitest Asian Batman. ninja I've ever met. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, he's white in the comics. I mean, he's like a white dude in the comics. I think he's supposed to be like a like a true Caucasian, you know, from the Caucasus region. That's my interpretation of it, anyway. Well, also, he also he's supposed to be hundreds and hundreds of years old. I think that's why he's an eco terrorist in the comics. He just hates people because <laughs> he's been around them for hundreds of years. 
Sure. He's seen how it's all gone downhill. Yeah, again, in the uh, to harken back to the animated series, because him showing up there is a big event, too. Like, his whole big thing is eco is is eco-fascism it's literally like there is literally nothing i can do to save the world like like it's a it's really uh the point that uh borzoi brought up recently is that there's a lot of things we could do to save the environment that would have a very massive impact but basically anything that's going to be effectual at all is completely off the table because democracy can't produce it so like uh, Rachel Ghoul, Liam Neeson's character's whole bit is the firm hand is necessary now to save the world from collapse and destruction. Well, he, he's a bit toned down from the animated series, uh, Rachel Ghoul, isn't he? In in the fact that in fact that one that he's not immortal, and two he doesn't want to wipe out the whole world. He seems to think if you do the odd city here and there, it will sort of things out. Well, they decided to make his narrative trying to avoid like complete civilizational degradation, like causing the quick collapse they're basically just accelerationists um rather than uh than allowing something to coast on in degeneracy for forever and ever uh they swapped for that i assume because they were like yeah while there's plenty of liberals who would really like the the eco-terrorist character uh well actually i think it's because they were like while there are some liberals who might appreciate it uh the average uh person we like and want to be invited to their swanky cocktail parties will hate it if we make an eco-terrorist the villain well, mm-hmm. I, I suppose what i suppose how you could have done it done it better and, and give it a more grander scheme is pre- perhaps you could have done like a moonraker type narrative that that batman has to stop and um because the one thing missing that from all of the batman films is detective work yeah well i'm gonna be honest with you guys i don't remember this movie very well i the, the Christopher Nolan movies, I did not like very much. I, th- I think it's I think it's because they have like a disdain for the comic for the base material, don't they? Yeah, I mean, like I I get like not wanting to do silly Adam West stuff, but like I don't know, like trying to make Batman real is dumb. Uh, I think that this one I would say is kind of just forgettable. I didn't like Batman Begins. I thought very little of Christopher Nolan's interpretation. Yeah. Um, I thought the name Batman Begins is kind of a stupid name. That is like alliteration is such a is such a dumb way to do anything, including a title. Is this this is the one where he gets thrown in like a well and there's like bats in it or some shit, right? Uh, no, he falls down. That's pretty. That's pretty much standard Batman lore. The fact that he falls yeah. down the well and finds the place where the back. Batcave is built. Oh, I thought that was so stupid. Well, then you hate Batman. That's one of the few things that's actually pretty faithful in it. The that's that's the, the, the dumbest thing the is the bit. one. <laughs> I I I get it, but it's like it's like they're trying to be realistic. I, I don't. Oh, you hate Batman. You hate Batman. I I hate Batman. You guys. I, I thought I thought we were referring to him now as Batman. I love no. Batman. I no, hate Batman. He's in brackets, not parentheses. How how often do we have to go back to this? Okay. Uh, as long as it takes for you to discover that wasn't funny the first time you said it. <laughs> My assumption was that the sequel to this movie would be called After a Good Start, Batman Continues On. That wasn't the case. Surely I should have called it Batman and Robin 2. Everyone would have gone to watch it. <laughs> I think I've gone to watch it. Ooh. I want to see George Clooney and his nipples. <laughs> cut, cut, Why are you obsessed that. with George Clooney's nipples? Don't don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> I'm very worried about it. <laughs> uh.
the actual sequel to Batman Begins was called The Dark Knight. I think that because Batman Begins was not super well received, that they wanted to try again, um, but they didn't want to use the Batman name. I don't know. Uh, I, I thought that there there's some kind of marketing thing. It's another name for Batman, isn't it? So it's kind of it's it's recognized. It is. is that it? I thought it was just kind of like Christopher Nolan thinking, no, Batman is too stupid. I'm trying to make this serious, so we're gonna call it the Dark Knight. The official Superman film's name isn't Superman. It's isn't isn't Superman colon Man of Steel. It's actually Man of Steel is the name of the. But that's of the also film. like the director trying to be serious with his. That's the director miming the the Nolan. Uh, Christopher Nolan had a hand in those movies too, I believe. He was a producer. Is it David S. Goyer as well? Did some writing. He wrote for both, didn't he? I believe so. I thought that uh, uh, the Nolanverse films were written by Christopher Nolan and his brother. Yeah, I think they are, but I think I think David S. Goyer had some sort of a hand in it as well. Most DC films, besides these, besides these these Batman films, are designed by committee, and I I think that naming the Superman film uh, a Man of Steel was like, hey, it worked for the Dark Knight. Why don't we do it now for for Superman? Okay, name yeah. it, name it another thing. This is when DC were running their their film enterprise with a with a healthy kind of healthy like disgust for actual superhero comics. They were trying to make something <laughs> that they hated. It, it's it's just the feeling I get from from the Nolan. Yeah, yeah, it's like this is too silly. But a lot of people like this movie, so he wanted to bring hyper realism into into Batman. That much yeah. is clear. One of the best things I can say about these movies is uh, the Hans Zimmer soundtrack is good, I guess. Yeah, that's an awesome soundtrack. Yeah. I do enjoy Danny Elfman's from the original Batman. That was good, too. You could put Hans Zimmer music to basically anything, and it would work. Like His mm. soundtracks are just kind of... I wouldn't say generic, but like they work with most things. They're pretty good. He's good. Well, my, my favorite uh, uh, Joker... I think when when I lay my chips down is Heath Ledger's depiction in this movie. Uh, obviously, it's kind of a toss up between Mark Hamill's uh, depiction in the the animated series or 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 this one in The Dark Knight. Um, but I'd have to give the edge as kind of a, a more memorable and emotional uh, uh, depiction to to Heath Ledger. What do you guys think? Uh... I'm a huge fan of the Hamill Joker, but the thing with with um, the Joker is you're supposed to think that he's literally like some sort of apex predator it, and or it, it's literally like you know say like like having a tiger on a, on a leash or something like that you know where where you literally do not know what he's going to do from one, one one moment to the next and whatever he's going to do is usually homicidal and I, I'm not quite sure I like emo Joker yeah I mean like he's the Joker you know he's not the like psychopath well this gets back to this gets back to the the point that I made before which is that the the reason the Joker is such an iconic villain is because he is a perfect foil of his hero which means that the way you judge a good depiction of the Joker isn't so much whether he has traits you like but how well he is actively a foil of their portrayal of Batman and uh Heath Ledger and Jack Nicholson are both very good in that role. Yeah, they work off of each other very well. The Batman depicted in the movie where uh, Jack Nicholson is the Joker is a uh, like he's a he's very clearly like a, a wealthy dude who's comfortable with his wealth 
like a kind of corporate guy who's juggling like you know a real life as bruce wayne while also doing the whole batman bit and joker is a perfect foil for that he is this man of you know means very open flaunting his wealth who's also doing the whole joker bit kind of to fuck with bruce wayne and also to fuck with batman well it, there's also the fact that like um the batman's got a very specific origin whereas the joker he he in in the in the uh the killing joke he he refers to his past as multiple choice mm-hmm. like it's the whole point in the uh the killing joke the comic book is is his whole point is that all it takes is one bad day to make a uh to 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 make someone like him and so it, it does create the illusion of well the story he's telling you is not exactly true and then that harkens back to the dark knight where like twice in the movie and an attempted third time heath ledger looks at someone and goes you want to know how i how i got these scars <laughs> and he he even hints at his own origin story and makes them up on the fly yeah also also in this film i mean it's the first appearance of batman having some actual detective skills isn't it yeah yeah uh, because he takes that—is it the brick from the wall—and he reconstructs everything and works out who the guy who the guy was. Oh from. yeah, yeah. You can't get ballistics from concrete, no. But I can get fingerprints. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, like, yeah, that is the only real piece of detective work that goes on, other than like him stumbling into the place that has the clue. Yeah, and Bruce Wayne's kind of useless in the in the Nolan verse as well, isn't he? He's useless in, in the fact he, he doesn't use the character of Bruce Wayne to perform any real... Well, I suppose he does a bit, doesn't he? But Well, he, he occasionally does, like, Bruce Wayne's flights of fancy, like, oh, Bruce Wayne buys out some Russian ballet group and takes them all on vacation to the South China Sea so he can yeah. go be Batman in Beijing and capture this Chinese dude. Yeah. Like it's all very it's all very off the wall. Like uh, Bruce Wayne is only important for one, providing this idea of no one takes Bruce Wayne seriously, um, and for providing the money for Batman to do all of his shenanigans. I'd really love to see Mach- Matches Malone get an outing in one of the films as well. Are you aware of the character Ma- Matches Malone, Walrus? No, who's that? That's not Firefly, is it? No, Matches Malone is is Batman's is. Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne, and Batman's alter ego when he when he when he gets down and dirty and pretends to be a gangland uh, criminal to get information. Oh right, yes, yes, yes. But the uh... that's a worse name than Joe Chill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a fucking generic like mobster name. <laughs> Malone. Yeah, but there's a uh. But um, what I was saying as far as like the Joker being the perfect foil is that the uh, Nolan Batman, I would argue, doesn't have a lot of character to him. Like he has some he has some just broad strokes, but he does. It's very hard to get a sense of him as a character in a lot of spots. Part of it's because of how gravelly his voice is and how distant he is as a character. Show me the trigger. Where's the trigger? Where is she? Swear to me. Like the uh, the whole thing, it's hard to see Batman's actual characterization come out in any meaningful scenes. Like, there's plenty of exposition that occurs, but it never really seems to happen in a way that's important while important things are happening. The exposition just fills between from one high stakes action scene to the next and doesn't really connect them at all. I'd just like to say to any any future people planning on playing Batman, remember that those choices you make in the first episode, you're gonna have to carry all, carry all the way through to the third episode to think about what you're Absolutely. doing. Absolutely. <laughs> 
but what you do get is you get a Batman who's obsessed with like order. He's obsessed with law and order and that there is a right way to do things. And there's the procedure. And so when he first starts encountering Joker, he uh like the the core part of the film once he starts dealing with Joker as a serious threat is him trying to be like, well, he's got to have some angle. He's got to have some motive. Like there has to be a greater purpose to all this. And Alfred's like, nah, dude, maybe the dude's just crazy. Maybe, maybe dude just wants to burn the world because he can. Some people just want to see the world burn. Exactly. And it's, so it's, and so like, I mean, that ends up playing out. And so the perfect foil to this Batman who is kind of plain, not well-defined, but whose main feature is his, is ultimately his appreciation and respect for law and order is the agent of chaos. Literally just the, uh, like in a lot of ways, like an agent provocateur in a lot of ways, like it's his whole objective is just to rile up everyone on the other side to create the perfect situation for his own ends. Well, have you have you ever read the comic series, The Legends of the Dark Knight? No, they I have. Kind of take they take place anytime. Do you have you ever read the one Go Insane? What happens is that is the Joker thinks he's killed Batman, so it's so he goes sane. So literally, literally, the the Joker's whole purpose if 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 Batman dies, it would literally destroy the Joker because the Joker needs Batman to play off. Exactly. Like uh, Batman is the perfect straight man for the uh, for the homicidal sociopathic Joker. Uh-huh. And yet Bat, uh, the Joker wasn't even introduced until a little bit into the comics lifetime, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't um, it was sort of uh, kind of by chance that this villain was introduced and, and really clicked. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's and it's it's worth noting that Batman is very notable for having so many iconic villains. Like the only th- the only the only group I would say the only rogues gallery that I think matches him at all is Spider Man. Uh, but uh, Batman's rogues gallery follows a very different thematic thread, which is that every iconic villain is a partial foil of Batman, of some aspect of the Batman Bruce Wayne being, and Joker sits at the heart of that because Joker is this perfect foil. It's whatever Batman's core feature is, whatever his core archetype is in a depiction, Joker is the absolute opposite. So like in a like if to use a, a crude metaphor here, the uh the alignment chart from D D, where you've got law, chaos, good, evil. Like when Batman is lawful good, Joker is chaotic evil. When Batman is like neutral good, like he gets sometimes in the animated series or the Adam West stuff. Joker is neutral. When Batman is lawful neutral, like he is in the, uh, like most of the Nolan Batman films, what's the core feature we get of Joker? Pure chaos. He's chaotic neutral. He's like, I don't care if this helps or hurts anyone. I just, I just do things. Yeah. He wants to challenge Batman. He wants to challenge Gotham City to, to see how they'll react to someone like him. Like, you know hey what about me dad i mean gotham how do you like yeah, it's, me now um, there was a thing i saw a while ago that was like an avolian look at the the nolan batman films which sounds kind of gay but uh you know you, some people do their thing but the the take on the second film was that basically joker represents like the uber libertarian against uh batman's more neoconish or standard civic nationalist sort of dude 
Yeah, I can see that. Huh. That uh, basically, <laughs> in in their narrative, I don't think this one held up as well as the original Batman Begins mo- or narrative, which was, uh, that was like, uh, Rachel Ghoul is like the Evolian, right? Like, he is the, he is the Evolian nationalist, the... I think the term Faustian spirit was bandied about once or twice because this was a Richard Spencer program. Uh, but uh, whereas uh, Bruce Wayne is this like Trumpian civic nationalist. And that's why they ultimately can't get along is because Rachel Ghoul is like, but this is what is necessary to save humanity. And Bruce Wayne won't take that step with him. So Bruce Wayne is society. <laughs> and Whoa. as we all know, all it's necessary to create a Joker nowadays is to drop him into society. <laughs> Forget the chemicals. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the one thing uh, Nolan missed out on, wasn't it? The Joker gas. Well, he had gas in, in Batman Begins. He gassed the whole city in Batman Begins. Oh, yeah. Right. No, that was uh, that was uh, the scarecrow that gassed the city. Well, that's true. Was, well, yeah, uh, but, but he'd Nolan. already used the Nolan gas used, gimmick. Was yeah. the thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we had, we had gas in Batman. Joker gassed everyone in Batman, right? So it had been done before. I le- I really like what uh, what Joker was doing in the Dark Knight. Um, I, I I like how he forced Batman to make a choice just because he hated. That Batman was so driven by his principles, uh, he just wanted to to make a mockery of those principles. That's kind of what the what the Killing Joke is about, as well, isn't it? Is it what what the Joker wants to do in the Killing Joke is he wants to push Batman into killing him? Yeah, he's got like with the Joker's. It's always multiple objectives. It's always like you can't. It's hard to tell what his main objective really is. Um, because he just has so many different objectives that go in so many different ways and doesn't seem to mind much when any of them fail. Like, uh, the other objective he had in the killing joke was to break Gordon, to break commissioner Gordon, to show Batman, see, you can break anybody. You're not special. Like literally anyone could be me. What does that tell you about humanity? Huh? Hmm. Uh, since we're talking, we mentioned the Killing Joke a couple of times. I'd like to quickly mention the uh, kind of the animated series revival film. Yeah, I heard of that. Oh. Mark Hamill's final depiction of the Joker. Uh, he always said he would come back to do the Joker if they did an adaptation of the Killing Joke, and he he held firm to that promise. Um, however, I, I went to go see the movie in the theater and was deeply, deeply disappointed because it is terrible it's really bad yeah i heard some really bad things about it uh what exactly was wrong with it so it uh before they actually launch into the killing joke proper they do this whole like half an hour short that's mostly about batgirl and her gay friend like literally her like her gay gentleman friend yeah there's a topical gay librarian who uh it it, it is her friend at university. There's this whole point where basically it's implied, well, by the gay dude, that this problem that she's having with her quote-unquote yoga instructor, because that's the uh, that's the cover that Batgirl is going with here, um, is a bunch of unresolved sexual tension. Oh, and no. And they resolve the sexual tension. Yeah, fun, fun fact from the comics, both Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson have been there. <laughs> yeah it's uh again harkening back to batman beyond because we mentioned that earlier there's a sort of uh 
there's a sort of familiarity between Barbara Gordon, because she's the commissioner in Batman Beyond, and the elderly Bruce Wayne that seems to imply they had some deeper relationship at some point. Like, and it's basically working off the continuity of the original animated series. So I didn't mind it too much, but the real issue was like, it's just like, it felt like they put in 30 minutes of extra stuff because item one, they were like, we can't make the killing joke a full feature leaked film. Yeah, it's it's not very it's not a very long book. It's just kind of like an overlong comic, isn't it? Yeah, it's. Yeah. I mean, it's really a forty-five minute to an hour long thing, and I think that's fine on its own. Um, but they didn't for you know their their arbitrary length problems. But the uh, the other thing the the other thing I wanted to mention was that the it also felt like those thirty minutes were supposed to make you care about Barbara Gordon, so it'd be impactful when the whole killing joke thing happened. It's like well. If it's not going to be impactful to someone that Batgirl's going to get like brutally paralyzed, then I don't I don't know how you could make them buy in. Because it's also also heavily implied in in the Killing Joke that she was also raped by the Joker, isn't it? There's a oh, wow. bit of an implication. It's uh it's definitely suggested like cuz he he does like brutally assault her, ha- gets her paralyzed from the waist down. And like takes photos of the whole thing as her disabled unconscious body is lying out there. So it's while it's while I wouldn't say that it's ever suggested anywhere that he explicitly raped her, it's a violation of the magnitude of rape. Mm. Like it is a psychological rape. And then what he does to her father is a psychological rape. Mm. Uh, but it, yeah, the 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 first chapter, the first act is pretty cringy, and when they get into the killing joke proper, to me it was just really bland. Uh, didn't really have a, a a lot of a lot of oomph to it. I and my I had such a bad taste in my mouth from the the first act that I just really uh, I really felt alienated from it. And apparently, like really big fans of the comics didn't like it either. Uh, and 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 the the adaptation wasn't even as faithful as it should have been. Uh, to the book like in the final um the final moments of uh the adaptation kind it kind of just ends it's really weird um but but the book has a little bit more to it uh they even leave out some symbolism in the adaptation when the camera pans down to like a puddle in the rain at the very end it's supposed to show a mm. reflection of the two uh, uh of the joker and batman and it doesn't so it, it makes me wonder really how much effort or forethought was put into this. Well, Grant Morrison, who didn't write The Killing Joke, puts forth a theory, even though he didn't write The Killing Joke, that Batman snaps the Joker's neck in that scene. Yeah, and Alan Moore was always explicit about, like, uh, later on, at least, was very explicit. It's like, no, Batman doesn't kill the Joker. He just he just hauls him off and throws him back into Arkham again. And they yeah, that's the, that's, that's the way I always read it. I don't, I don't know how you could read it any other way. Well, yeah, but it's... And it's partly because of uh, Grant Morrison's take on it that Alan Moore flat out says that like the one book he really regrets writing was The Killing Joke because The Killing Joke was like the one book he did that was absolutely someone else's character that he was asked to do a one-off for Mm. and he did not appreciate the sort of takeaways that people got from it and to his credit he does mostly chalk a good chunk of that up to him not knowing the character as well not knowing how well to portray to portray him 
and that people being like, oh, this is a different portrayal of Batman rather than, you know, Alan Moore's interpretation being, you know, an actual portrayal of Batman. I don't think I don't think it was, though, was it? Because is the killing joke after uh, Death in the Family? I couldn't when, tell you. When, I'm not quite sure which way around it is, which would make sense why Batman is that close to killing the Joker if it was after... Because in a Death in the Family, Jason Todd, the second Robin, get, gets murdered by the Joker. Oh, yeah, crowbarred. Yeah, so so if it, if it was after that, it would make sense why Gordon is so am- ad- adamant not to kill the Joker, which would give it that that much needed context as to as to why Gordon's like, don't kill him, don't kill him, don't kill him, which, mm. which would then speak to Batman's fortitude as a character. Which I, I've I've always thought it made made perfect sense about Batman as a character because if the jo- if Batman goes around killing every villain, then they can't recur, can they? Because if Batman's like a policeman, where he where where he um, arrests arrests the villains and then throws them in Arkham so they can then escape again. You have the perfect reason as to why they can recur as characters. Whereas if you go around killing them all, they can't recur as characters. And I think it's a flaw that the modern comics have have in them in, in the fact that they don't realise this. Well, they kind of realise it. The only issue is is that they try and like so much of modern media, they just try and layer it beneath a shit ton of snark. Yeah, the the memes around the Joker and the Dark Knight have persisted for longer, but the more potent memes were from the Dark Knight Rises. Of course, of course, this is just a terrible film. Oh, it's awful. Oh, if it weren't for the fact just that Bane's voice awful. was so ridiculous and his lines so outlandish, like no one would remember this movie. I don't remember anything about the movie except for Bane scenes. Was yeah. it? Was he? Tr- was he trying to go for a Churchill voice? I don't even get what the voice was. He was well, going. Well, apparently, for. um, it was. It, they had to dub over the original voice because the original voice is so fucking stupid that they couldn't <laughs> use it. Now, so what I'm wondering if this is the better option. What's the original sound like? What did we miss out on? <laughs> I want to know. I think I think this film ruined Tom Hardy's career because every time I've seen him since, he just does silly voices now, doesn't it? Tom Hardy. He doesn't I mean, act like, properly anymore. I mean, like, I don't know. Tom Hardy sucks. I mean, he, he got to be in Fury Road. Oh, he was a literal prop Hasn't he got, like, Fury a silly, Road? like, it's not even a proper Australian accent in there. It's, like, silly voice in that as well, isn't it? You know, for the, like, two times he talks, yeah. It's just, yeah. like, gravelly, chain-smoking <sighs> highwayman. Yeah, That's not me. Mel Gibson, so garbage. Um, yeah. But can we can we talk about the plot of The Dark Knight Rises? There's a plot. The there is a plot. Tell us about the plot. Right, the plot is Bane wants to take over Gotham City because he wants to crush Batman for I don't know reasons. Um, so. <laughs> Well, it appears to be just for vague reasons, but then slowly becomes some sort of weird vengeance quest. Yeah, for a guy you never knew. Yeah, I forgot about that. I, I watched it the other day and I even forgot about that. It, it's the vengeance quest qu- because he killed Ra's al Ghul in the first one. Yeah, it's it's vengeance quest by proxy because as we discover, Bane is actually taking orders from Bruce Wayne's love interest, which is the only part for, that they get from the comics that they get right. Which yeah. is that, uh, yeah, he, uh, Br- Bruce Wayne totally, totally gets with Rachel Ghoul's daughter multiple times. Cocked. His only confirmed son is by her. If you, if you want to take over a city, so what do you do? Um, do you A, just buy a suitcase, Nuke, and, and, uh, and hold the city to ransom? Or do you B, do an elaborate plot where you take over Wayne Enterprises just to take over this thing in the basement that'll explode? Uh, 
<laughs> well, you do everything you can to potentially mitigate Batman as a threat because you know that Batman is Bruce Wayne while also securing the suitcase nuke. <laughs> this was the thought process. I'm not saying it was well thought out, but this was the thought process. Yeah, do you want the reasonable answer or the movie answer? It's <laughs> not both tone if you have them. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, they're they're both retarded. Um, this movie sucks. I did that lady? It. Did that lady have sex with Bruce Wayne? Yes. Yes, she did. She yes, had she sex did. with the guy who killed her father. Like even as a cover, that's a little bit weird. She's a bit damaged, I think. To be fair, Bruce did not directly or deliberately kill her father. Item two, it's implied... He just got off the train. Talia has has done the whole female assassin bit for quite a long time, which would imply using her body to get men to lower their guards so she can get what she wants from them. Item three, like, uh, again, going off comic books, like, their relationship is damn weird. Like, real damn weird. It's the, it's the epitome of love height, isn't it? It's it's hot, cold, inferno, glacier all over the place. Do, does anybody here know the proper origin for Brain Bane from the comics? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, Uma Thurman uh, created him in a lab and like gave him some kind of chemical that made him a superman. No way, retard. Ooh. He was in a pit and he made a weird jump, obviously. <laughs> Duh. No, he didn't do the jump. It was Talia that did the jump. The thing, again, that, that the Nolan movies get weird is that they seem to take moments of uh, allegory or hyperbole from the comics and then render it literally. And then things which ought to be rendered literally are, like, given over or dressed up as, like, a metaphorical thing. So, like, Bane's whole story in the comics is that he was literally born in a prison. Like, it was in a prison known as The Pit. But it was just known as The Pit for what an absolute hellhole it was. It was not literally a hole in the ground. Um, but he grew up in there, and he was a fairly bright kid, and he became both... His environment forced him to become strong and cunning, and uh, several of the prisoners there, uh, some of them political prisoners, others of them brutal crime lords and whatnot, uh, basically taught him in turn what they had to teach him, and he became this, like, astoundingly brilliant, you know, hitman, gangster... Uh, like learned Renaissance slugging man. Yeah, and 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 also when he when he first comes to to Gotham City, he literally runs Batman rag, ragged for is it weeks or months? Walrus, he absolutely exhausts Batman, doesn't he? It's weeks. Like he does it. He does it. It's he he does it over what's a fairly prolonged time, especially considering how short of a time they actually fight each other for. Mm. Um, but. It's all rapid fire. It's implied to be happening basically almost every night. He basically opens up opens up Arkham Asylum and sends every single one of Batman's villains after him to exhaust him totally, so he can then beat him and and claim and claim his 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 place at the top of the uh, food chain. Yeah, the only thing that I think that occurs literally from Bane's backstory in this movie is uh is the breaking Batman across his knee bit. Yeah. And and it's like that mask is just totally dumb. It's just painkillers in the books. I was made aware of a porn where uh, all the guys are wearing Bane masks, but and then they're doing they're doing like Bane meme quotes, but then also their penises are wearing Bane masks. <laughs> what? what? So the girl Dude. says to so says to the penis like you're a big guy, and then the dude's like for you. I, yeah, I'm I'm aware of a of a write up uh, 
this was uh I forget I forget what this what rag this was in, but it was like prostitutes talking about really weird clients. It's like in Jezebel or something. But one of them is taught inadvertently published inadvertently published like what had to be a troll. But if it wasn't a troll on the part of the prostitute, it was a troll on the part of her client. <laughs> because it's literally her talking about how he would always post bane memes. Right, right. While he was fucking her. <laughs> yeah, this uh this bane porn thing was apparently from a pretty famous porn actor i i don't know who who these people are of course but uh yeah um yeah the the mask looks looks stupid it looks like goatsy on your face and uh also when talia dies it's like obviously trying to be some kind of homage but it doesn't read well it just looks stupid she sort of just like juts her head to the side and closes her eyes like and now i die oh that well, kind let's, of thing. let's t- let's talk about the end because um if you read a lot of forums or whatever apparently bruce wayne isn't really there it's it's uh alfred imagining him being there because that's what they talked about earlier in the film it's, it's a typical stolen ending <laughs> is it like memento it's just it's a twist ending no, it's astoundingly explicit. The the whole point is that Bruce Wayne went there because he knows what Alfred does. Yeah. I just like to imagine that he was like, Catwoman, bitch, I got secret money. We're just going to go <laughs> to this cafe. We're going to hang out for like two hours every day for like six months. <laughs> and then Alfred's <laughs> going to show up and he's going to get the message. Then we're just going to disappear. <laughs> Don't believe his lies, Master Bruce. Because of their hatred for the source material, they won't even let, let Catwoman be called Catwoman. She's never referenced to as Catwoman at all in it. Yeah, but uh, like it, that whole thing does backfire, though, if only because her as Selena, like the, the name Selena Kyle is itself extremely iconic. Yeah, and there's also the Robin thing, isn't there? That was really poor. Yeah, that one was really bad. That was just, uh, yeah, we don't care. <laughs> that sucked. We don't care about your lore at all. We're doing this despite you. <laughs> so wait, so Catwoman is in the movie? Yeah. Uh, what? Like Anne Hathaway? Yeah, Anne Hathaway. You that forgot all about that? Yeah. Like, Dude, she, she goes by Selena, like, three or four times in the film. You never made any cat puns, dude. What the fuck? Like, even when she's in her costume, it looks like she's wearing, like, a, a bow or something that gives her, like, the silhouette of cat ears. I don't they, even um, remember. Like, some sort of goggles, aren't they, or something? Yeah, it might be goggles. I just remember that, like, there's scenes of her fighting, and she clearly has the silhouette of cat ears. And it's like, yeah. like for for not wanting to call her Catwoman, you're just, you're really just hanging every lampshade on this you can. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's like, fucking just call her Catwoman. Like, shit, dude. Yeah, stop yeah. being a cuck about it. Jeez, yeah, don't be a fake. You're making a fucking Batman movie, all right? I, th- I think that's I think that's my main problem with the Nolan. Yeah, that yeah it's like it's here. too cool for school. You know, it's like, yeah. oh no, we can't do that. That's stupid. It's like, nigger, you're making Batman, right? <laughs> so I I think we can safely skip over Batflick unless someone really has something burning to say about this. I feel like it's some of the most forgettable. Um, renditions of the bat ever yeah i didn't even see it the whole uh snyderverse doesn't really make a lot of sense i i've heard that he did a good batman but i don't know i i didn't see it i'm not even sure the bat flick movie is happening now because i haven't heard anything about it in quite a long time i I don't know you you never know what's going on do you but the but the um the dc um 
universe seems to have taken a turn for the better because we spoke about Aquaman and Aquaman has embraced the source material. And from what I hear, it appears Shazam has as well, hasn't it? Which means hopefully the next Batman or I, Justice League or whatever comes. I do not better. follow any cape shit movies anymore. Uh, yeah. From what I saw of the Shazam trailer, it looks stupid, so that's good. Yeah, but it basically it basically is it's like a superhero version of Big anyway because Billy Batson well, yeah, is this, a child is, that becomes this way it's funny. He's stupid. Super, yeah, I don't know. It was fine, I guess. While I don't watch much cape shit either, I might actually pirate the upcoming Joker movie. Oh yeah, which uh, just had at the time of recording has just had a, a trailer come out, and this is also happening around the time that the Bane meme is beginning to fade away, and the Joker Dude. meme is coming back uh, by way of uh, uh, of society. Society has brought up clown uh, world. You know, clown world. Are we going to reference the uh, Jared Leto Joker? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I saw that his head, his forehead said damaged, and I got brain damage. <laughs> well, here's it the problem with the new Joker. Joker. You know, apparently, uh, according to Hate Watch, the clowns are now um, a hate symbol. So yeah, we can't that. have a Joker movie. What, what the fuck, Hollywood? You're fucking racists. This is clearly a dog whistle, and I will not stand for this fascism in my movies. I just don't understand why there's so much abject hatred for clowns. What did Finley ever do to anyone, I ask? Finley is a good boy. Everyone loves him. I always thought Jim Carrey would make a good Joker because he has the, the physicality and, and the personality for it. Yeah, <sighs> Jim Carrey Jim Carrey as Riddler is probably as good as Jim Carrey could get as in Batman. Like, I look at him and I go, yeah, Riddler is actually seems like a pretty good fit. Because I imagine the Riddler being kind of over the top and wacky, but also yeah. it's not quite—it's not quite aloof though, isn't he? Because being aloofness is quite a big part of the Riddler's uh, personality, isn't it? But it's all—but his aloofness is all a facade. Richard like, Dawkins is the Riddler. Like he's like it's uh it's it's the Riddler is deeply obsessed with being smarter than other people. Richard Dawkins is the Riddler. I've I've done it. I've done yeah. the <laughs> You just get every riddle fucking wrong. It's like the answer is this. No, it's not. Dawkins, you're literally wrong. <laughs> uh uh. That's what it would devolve into. It would be great. I think I think Jim Carrey was kind of doing the Joker as the Riddler. Um they had already done the the Joker in that series of films with the first one, uh, and and so it's kind of impossible for them to uh, to kind of just say, "Hey, let's do it again," but this time with Jim Carrey. So I think they just got the next closest thing. And I think you guys are right that uh, the Riddler is kind of is sort of on the same spectrum of of wackadoodleness as uh, as the Joker. So it's kind of, they they really did give him the next best thing. I think they should have a female Riddler this time, make it Alyssa Milano because she thinks she knows everything, doesn't she? <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> going deep, going deep for the jokes here. Really scraping that barrel clean, aren't you, buddy? Yeah. Well, this trailer uh, seems to to try. Uh, I think Heath Ledger kind of turned the Joker into like the preeminent, like uh, Oscar bait cape shit character. You know. I mean, are we, are we gonna? Does this mean we've got emo Joker from now on? This or? this new one just looks like a clown, and I like it because he's a clown now. Yeah, and he does and a James Cagney voice funny. for no apparent reason. A uh, what? He's, he's like a James Cagney. Yeah, see, he's like that. Yeah, it's great. I love it. It's retarded. I love it. Yeah, it feels like it's uh like I mean, if we're still talking about the one from the trailer, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, I was yeah. I was talking about the uh, Jared Leto Joker. He no, does the, um, oh. no, we're talking about the 
Uh, no, that's, sorry, that's it... what I was talking about. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. I'm talking about the new one. I haven't seen the trailer, so I'm a bit. Uh, it, it looks, it looks pretty good. Uh, and I hate cape shit so much. Well, there is there is some forced diversity in there. There's some token diversity, so you know, uh, I'm not, I'm never giving Hollywood any more money ever again. So it's like it's fine. I can pirate it and I can watch it, and that'll be that. I will um, do a rabbit stream. It looks kind of looks kind of stupid how they have to put in some token diversity in, in absolutely everything. Um, but uh, yeah, he he um, seems to be kind of like uh, he he sort of speaks to the the, the people of the right, uh, the men of the right, uh, who are kind of being fed a society that um, does not suit them and potentially does not even suit anyone because it doesn't even follow its own rules. So how can you be anything but a clown? It's a society that desperately wants the things that they can produce and it knows that it can't get elsewhere, but doesn't want them in any real or meaningful capacity. Does this mean we should have uh, Rachel Gull as the meme instead, instead of buying <laughs> the ultimate accelerationism? Whew, that's some deep lore. In fact, this entire episode has been the deepest lore. But now we need to return back to society. I'd like to thank Sir Hemingford Gray, Walrus, and Tone for taking us through a bat odyssey today. Check out their other content in the show notes. I think it's some of the very best out there right now. And deepest thanks to you, listener. Until next time, stay dope. Batman thought he was bad. He was a fucking asshole in the first place. He got knocked to the floor. Batman got on my nerves. He was running me a moat. He ridiculed me, calling me a bum. Batman beat the hell out of me and knocked me to the floor. I got back up and knocked him to the floor. He was being such a jagoff. I whoop!